You're locked in to DJ and PK. Locks. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Lock. Wheezy, baby. DJ, PK, and Frank Dolce joining us now. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope everybody's doing well. We are doing well. We hope you're doing well, too. Why don't you have, uh, have you on to put a wrap on the youth's five-game season? It was only five <laughs> games, but let's set aside all the negativity. What did you learn about the youths this year that informs your opinion of how good they will or won't be next year? Number one thing you take away. Uh they found another gem at the running back position. I think that's for what Utah wants to accomplish on the offensive side. I think that's critical. And you and I are going to, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to, we're going to battle about the quarterback position. So (laughs) I've been, I've been getting geared up for that and super, super athletic on the defensive side. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, the quarterback position obviously is always going to be a sticking point if it's not great. But I'm in your, I'm more in your camp that when you have all these other things, I just don't know that you're going to be able to have this great quarterback who's going to be super efficient and they're just going to be excellent in the passing game because if you're going to be excellent in the passing game and you're already excellent in the running game, well, I think that's a little bit too – unrealistic to ask so I want a quarterback who can make a play and I'm not sure right now that they've got one and that's been an issue but as far as bringing in these transfers it makes me a little bit nervous Frank because automatically you're getting guys who weren't good enough to play at someplace else except for maybe this Baylor kid but if I bring him in and he's coming in and he's going to be a one-year kid do I really want that, too, because have I made the improvement that I need at that position, or am I just putting a Band-Aid on it? It's really interesting because I think the what, what we thought about the transfer portal early on, or at least what I thought about it, would, would be a scenario where you know the rich would get richer and teams like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State would just go and raid the transfer portal and take all of the best available talent. And that's probably still somewhat true. But I think what we're also discovering about the transfer portal is that there's a reason guys enter the transfer portal. <laughs> like, it wasn't necessarily that they didn't get along with the coach or they weren't getting enough playing time or whatever myriad of reasons we hear about it. Some, some of it is that they just didn't measure up. And, and that there, you know, there are some blemishes on those guys. And that's the, those are the things that you'll discover. So sometimes you think, well, I'm going to go in the transfer portal. I'm going to get a guy that has 17 starts, but, but it's not, it's not a perfect fit. And, um, and, and so it's interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for, for Utah. I, I haven't been a huge fan of, what's come out of the transfer portal 
lately. So, but I know these guys are are the quarterbacks that are coming in are pretty talented and highly highly rated and all of those things. But but I think it's the like maybe the point that you're making is that these guys come in and they're it's not they're not necessarily you know the four star out of high school that you're hoping for. They they come with some some blemish and you have to you're going to have to manage that some way. Well, let's talk Charlie Brewer because in a lot of ways this seems like an instant replay from a year ago. Instead of an experienced SEC quarterback, you're getting an experienced Big 12 quarterback. You get a guy who instead of 30 whatever starts has 40 whatever starts, but I do see a completion percentage that's 62%. I see 2 to 1 in the touchdown interception ratio, and you know what fans want? They want 4 to 1. And they want 68% completion percentage. So there are going to be some throws that are going to make people groan here. And are the youths bringing in a starting quarterback? Or are they bringing in a guy who's going to compete for the starting quarterback and maybe lose to the same guy that the SEC guy lost to last year? <laughs> yeah. I, I think Utah feels like they have their starting quarterback. But they don't have, they don't have a lot of depth behind the starting quarterback and you really need to solidify that that position and it just it clearly it didn't you know it wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be this year although hats off to to uh drew lisk in the way that he managed his opportunity to play and 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 dick bentley too i mean i he he is the guy that physically everything that Utah wanted him to be a quarterback, but certainly a classy guy and good leader, and his teammates kind of rallied around him. So I think there's something about about Dick Bentley, but we'll see. I mean, this is this is a quarterback this is a quarterback room that I think is led right now by Cam Rising, but with his but the uncertainty about his injury and the question about whether or not he's going to even participate in spring ball. It seems to me that Utah doesn't feel with like the six, I think there's six other guys, five or six other guys on the roster that play the quarterback position. It just doesn't feel like they have any faith that any of those guys are going to be able to lead the team. And so they had to go into the transfer portal to solidify that group. So I don't, I mean, I think it would be, to to me, it's kind of like if they find a guy in the transfer portal that becomes a starter for a year, then that's just a bonus. I, it really feels to me like, and, and I'm not saying they won't let these guys compete for the starting job, but it really feels to me like they're just trying to shore up a position group that for, for some crazy reason is, is really thin right now. So you look at it, I'm trying to recall in recent memory a conference winner that's had a transfer at quarterback. And you look at the two, or the division winner for that matter, and you look at the two times the Utes have won it, it was with Huntley, and then Shelley relieved him. But both of those guys were recruited uh, to come to Utah out of high school. So that's where yeah. I'm nervous what? of going in the transfer portal because I wonder if it can really fulfill what you're looking for. But at least if I'm going to do it, get them in the program as early as possible, and they're doing that with Rising and then this other kid, which is uh, I think his name's Jackson from, uh, from Texas. Ironically, from Texas yeah. also. Another another kid from Texas, yeah. How, wasn't wasn't uh, was Jacob Eason uh, was a transfer, right? 
at yes, Washington. And, and, and they didn't they didn't win the division. No, because then they got no Oregon. Oregon oh. beat the Utes last year. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so and he as we as we look across um, transfers, I don't even know if you could say there's a handful at the quarterback position that have been impactful. Maybe a couple, a, a few at the quarterback position that have been impactful. So right now, I think the odds are against it. But but Utah certainly could find a couple guys. That um, in in a scenario where one of your guy one of your quarterbacks goes down and you need a fill in, then you certainly have a more than adequate fill in for that for that position and a guy that could make make plays and lead the team. Um, but with with you know going back to this whole this whole quarterback position group for Utah, with the way Utah runs the ball, um, I I still don't think you need a superstar. At the quarterback position to be to be really good or to be successful, and and it feels like Utah has that that position solidified, the running back group. And if that's the case, and if Utah wants to wants to run the ball, then you know I feel okay about where they are, even though it's I don't think it's perfect, you know, at the at the at the quarterback group right now. So I think it's a good thing that uh, we agree you don't need a superstar to win at quarterback because it doesn't look like you're getting a superstar at quarterback. So, what, <laughs> but I think the the guy who could help them win is the guy who's willing to redshirt and learn for two years and come in late in their career. Now Drew Lisk is an extreme example. You know the last half of the last game of his fifth year, but the guy who comes in from out of state is coming to Utah because he's going to play. The best quarterbacks in Utah might – okay, if you're the best quarterback in Utah, you're going to go somewhere you can play right away too. But could there be a pretty good high school quarterback in Utah who, because he's staying local and he wants to and maybe grew up a fan of the team, would invest in being in the program two or three years and not playing and not transferring? And could they grow somebody in to being a good quarterback as a junior and senior? If Lisk had gotten a chance earlier – could he have done this? Because you're surrounded by a good defense, and you're going to hand the ball off to a really good running back, so you've got to be able to execute the play-action passing game and throw 25 times in a game. And so can they get someone? They have someone on the roster. I don't know anything about Bryson Barnes. He's out of Milford High, and I don't go to Milford yeah. High games. So I don't, I don't know anything about him other than he's on the roster. But is there yeah. someone they could get who they could groom, who they could put on scholarship, who's a pretty good player, who wouldn't be threatening to the four-star guy and say, listen, we need depth at the position in case you get hurt, but you're the four-star guy. This is a local guy. Relax. Don't worry about it. Don't be that scared of competition. We're not bringing in another four-star from Southern California. Would that, would that approach work? I, it feels like the, the mentality of the student-athlete today has – significantly changed from 30 yeah. years ago when I, when I played. And that's, that's a difficulty because, um, you know, it's more of the Tuttle philosophy of, wait a second, I'm here, I'm a four-star, I'm not starting, well, then I'm leaving. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it, rather than, you know, way back when it was, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, I'm going to develop, I'm going to earn my shot, and then I'm going to start for a couple of years, and um, and and so it's really 
the mentality of the student athlete today makes it really difficult to hang on to a guy. I think you're right. The best case scenario for Utah is to find a, a, a talented in-state kid who wants to go to Utah, wants to be around, and wants to find his way onto the field and then develop his talents over over a couple of years. And then Utah can mess around and try and find a four-star guy and maybe hang on to him and maybe not. But in the meantime, develop some talent uh, behind the guy who's supposed to be the starter, who thinks he's supposed to be the starter. I do think that's the ideal scenario. But it's just like opting out of a bowl game. And I know that there were lots of there's lots of things to consider. There's lots of factors to consider this year about the bowl game. Um, it, it, you know, not the least of which is financial. But but the concept still of opting out of another opportunity to play, and I'm coming at it from a perspective of 30 years of experience and perspective that. I, I mean, I would have never, I, I would have never even considered that. The opportunity to go and play another game is would be would have been so meaningful to me, or even now is so meaningful that I would have done just about anything to do that. So, I think we're dealing with just a different mentality today, and 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 how how student athletes view view the game. So, it's really difficult, it's, especially at that group. Well, and you're seeing at the running back group too. If you don't get your chance on the field, there's not this. Thing about well, I'm going to go prove myself. It's no, I'm going to go somewhere else and give myself a different opportunity. So, as far as the in-state quarterback, I mean, that just hasn't happened at Utah. When, when was the last one? We got to go back to Lance Rice. Hmm. And, and what's the problem there? Well, uh, there there could be there could be a couple issues. One is um, Utah's, you know, still not viewed as a quarterback factory or anything close to a quarterback factory. So that you have that working against you a little bit, and and any so any guy in the state who's going to be highly recruited um, is going to look at potentially a USC or like a, a Cam and Cooper. We saw him go to Washington State. Um, or another program that feels more like uh, a place where a quarterback can develop and have a shot at playing at the next level. Um, Utah just hasn't just hasn't produced that type of quarterback, so there's a little bit of an issue. the the other The other thing is i I don't know I don't know how much focus there's been inside the program of recruiting. Uh, a quarterback in state. I just I don't know the answer to that, and and so maybe that is something to consider. That that if there's an in-state guy, um, then then Utah should be, you know, kind of front and center on that guy all the time. And I don't know whether that whether or not that's occurring. That may be occurring, but I just I don't know if that's occurring. And so that could be that could be something to consider as well. I mean, it's different because uh, it's BYU, and I don't know how many of the guys are in state. And, you know, it's a religious school, so that's different. And I don't know how many of the guys are in state, but it just seems like they've been six or seven deep in the quarterback room, and there have been some in state guys, and some of them have panned out. Um, 
But on the chance that one of them does, you know, to have that fifth string quarterback, it seems like a minimal investment with the with the position just being so important. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but but you you also have to look at um, Utah's done a fantastic job of of recruiting uh, on the defensive side, especially at the defensive line, and now now the defensive backfield linebackers. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a handful of those guys come, come from the state, but they don't get all of the guys from, from in the state. I mean, the, the Sewell kids would have been absolutely perfect at, at Utah. And, those, you know, all those guys, except for the one that's on the roster right now, all those guys ended up at Oregon. Um, and, and so there's, there's, there's plenty of talent. There's plenty of talent here. Uh, there's there's plenty of and if there's plenty of talent at all of these other position groups, which there seems there there is in the state, then there's plenty of talent. There's got to be plenty of talent at the quarterback position group as well. So, I I, mean, I don't I don't I don't want to implicate anybody or anything, but but it's I am I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you in that there's talent enough in the state to 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 solidify that position group and to find that someone in that position group that can stick around and be a contributing member of the team. And I, I just don't know whether or not there's been that focus on that particular position uh, in the, in the recruiting efforts within the state. So with all the discussion on the quarterbacking, having said all that, I still expect them to contend for the South next year. No, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the that's the that's the crazy thing about it, and uh, it is it, it does give you a little you know it does give you a little bit of anxiety about well you know we're going to have to have the quarterback who does this and who does that and he's going to have to be this and I it, but with the way that Utah and the, the way that Coach Ludwig runs that offense, um, it's not necessarily a high bar. And so it's not so strange to say, even with this quarterback controversy that Utah has right now, it's not so strange to say, well, they're going to compete for the South because we've seen really good things on the defensive side, and I think that's a, that's a defensive unit that developed over the course of the year. Certainly that, that's, a, that's a crew, especially in the defensive backfield, that's, that still needs to improve and, and evolve over time. I think they will. They, they look like they're – very athletic. I like the linebackers. Really excited about the defensive line. So you're going to play really good defense. You're going to beat people up at the line of scrimmage. That's that's number one for Utah football, and that's a huge huge advantage. Uh, and then on the offensive side, you know you should return pretty good offensive line. You should be able to establish a running game. I really like. Ty Jordan, obviously. I really like Bernard. I think that's a terrific one-two punch. If if you get Britton Covey back, if you got Keithy back, which I think is a stretch, man, you're you're in pretty good shape. I don't think you're going to get Brian Thompson back. Um, you still need to find someone to stretch the field a little bit, but. But all in all, and, and then you, you all, that with all of those tools, all you need is a guy at the quarterback position that could mostly manage the game and, and when called upon, make a play. 
And and I think you have you have that guy potentially in Cam Rising, maybe in these other guys. So I I don't think it's outrageous to say that. I think Utah certainly has a chance to compete in the South next year. Uh, I want to go back to the bowl thing about opting out, and uh, you've been really clear. You know that the the number or the lack of number of football games that the Pac-12, in particular, and the Utes or the Pac-12 and the Utes played this year is just uh, you know mind-boggling and all that. But I I try to see it from the players' point of view about opting out, and you know to get these guys out of a out of the uh, living situation where there'd be you know four players in an apartment or a house or whatever. And if one of them gets sick, then everybody's eliminated because of contact tracing. And the odds right. are, as we saw with the basketball team, you know, a couple guys get it, and so there's eight guys in the two. I think there was five in one and three in the other, and all eight have it. So they're trying to avoid that, so they're putting people in yeah. hotel rooms. So now you got guys, yeah. if they're not at football practice, they're back in their hotel room staring at a computer or staring at the TV by themselves, no interaction, and doing that week after week, month after month, they're just sick of it. And they are they, they may not have opted out of the bowl game as much as they opted out of, man, living in a hotel room by myself. And any of us who've been on the road, man, by like day three or four, PK traveled a lot, so he'd probably say by day two. Uh, but, I mean, a week would be a long time by yourself in a hotel room. And so once you're putting multiple weeks or months on top of each other, I guess I was trying to have a little pity because how, why else would so many teams opt out? There must be a lot of players thinking, I've, I've had it with the hotel room. I'm not doing Christmas in the hotel room by myself. You know, I watched Tom Hanks on a desert island for months with a volleyball, and he seemed to come out okay. Well, that's because he was rich, though. <laughs> he was well. A, he was rich, and B, there were some mental health issues there. Let's be he honest. Didn't, he didn't have any. He didn't have room service for heaven's sake. If he could have opted out, he would have. I mean, there's a reason that he tied that porta potty to that raft and took his chances. He wanted to opt out. <laughs> Look, you make you make very good points, and I I would be hard pressed to disagree with any of any of the things that you're saying right now, and. And the truth is, I haven't necessarily had to experience any of that to that degree, and not, maybe none of us have. Uh, so, so I, I, I think that w- what you're saying is is very credible, absolutely. Uh, and even even with all that, uh, I still think, you know, the the opportunity to play in to play in one more game. And the opportunity to play in a bowl game uh, is is pretty meaningful. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I cannot. I I'm not, I don't disagree with you and and agree with you and and then say that the kids should play in a bowl game. I don't know how all that work it works itself out or how it reconciles itself. But <laughs> I'm just you know my my point on it is it's. At, at some point, the the final gun sounds, and no matter how much you beg and plead and pray, you never get a chance to step on the field again. It just doesn't happen. And once you have that perspective, it's it's um, difficult to overcome uh, the fact that you just can't you can't play another game. You can't go out and do it again. And DJ PK, as much as we have tried. 
church ball just doesn't measure up. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, uh, I've i left out one big question, and I probably should have led with it in this, but it's not bad to, to end it here because I, I think it would have been awesome and just hilarious to see, although it was deadly serious in the moment. But what did Kyle Whittingham say at halftime of that game? You got any idea? <laughs> I think the most telling thing that he said was, and you can you can paint all the all the colorful things around it that you want, but essentially, he said, if we're not if we're going to play like that again, then I'm not I'm not going out. We're not going out for the second half. We're we're going to just stay right here. If that's if that's the performance that you're going to give, I I had a thought. You know, Hans and I did do the the pregame and the postgame, and it's it's a lot of fun. And by the way. In terms of football analysis, Hans is fantastic. I, I can't even keep up with the guy. He starts talking about things that happen at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, my eyes start, start glazing over. So he's, he's really fun. But we, we were talking about what, what, what was that, half, that first half performance. And we both kind of said, well, you know, Utah, Utah threw the towel in on the season when they opted out of the bowl game. And it feels like that that mentality has carried over to this first half of play, and I I think there's something to that. I don't know what exactly what Coach Whittingham said at halftime, but this has to be whatever he said has to be at some point. Someone has to release that tape, <laughs> and that has to become you know one of the great halftime speeches of all time. You know, kind of like the win one, win one, Utah's version of win one for the Gipper. Because the, the, the difference in the performance from half one to half two, I just, I don't know if we've, if we've seen anything like that out of Utah football in, in recent history. I mean, I, it, was, it was as bad as, well, looking back, you say it was as bad as you could do get in the first half with, I don't know what you would call that. And then, as good as you could get in the second half, completely opposite performances. All right, Frank, we will leave it there. We appreciate you joining us uh, throughout this truncated season, and we look forward to talking uh, youth football with you down the road. Well, let, let's just leave it with this. I, I hope the Pac-12 finally pulls their heads out and figures out how to manage this thing because they failed this season. They failed in lots of ways. I'm just glad we got a little bit of football, and I think the future is bright for the youth. Former Utah quarterback Frank Dolce joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show wrapped up in one nice, neat segment. Remember, the Road Home Mediathon continues right now, and you can place a phone call and help out the Road Home. 801-819-7300. 801-819-7300. People are standing by. Take your phone call. Take your donations. You can have somebody for less than 20 bucks a night. A small donation will make a big difference in somebody else's life. Sunday night, they had 833 people in the road home, and it's estimated there's more than 2,000, almost 3,000 homeless people on any given night in Utah. You can help out at theroadhome.org. Donate online at theroadhome.org.
any of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up. But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up. With DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Multiple things if you're just joining our show that you missed in today's show. Number one, PK, tonight, 5 p.m. Don't turn on the TV at 7 o'clock, people. You'll be late. Don't default to 7 p.m. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff for Utah, for Utah, for UCF. <laughs> I did want a Utah-BYU bowl game. See, so I mean, Channel 2, it's just in your blood, isn't it? It really is. UCF <laughs> and BYU in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. You didn't know about RoofClaim.com. That's why they put their, put their advertising dollars into this and put their name on the front of this bowl game. RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Fine, and go ahead. If you're going to pay for it, go ahead and put your name on it. I don't care about that. All I know is that they're playing UCF. I don't even care it's a bowl game. The fact that it's a bowl game really doesn't have that much significance to me. It's a fact that it's the last game of the season, last time these guys will be together, and they're playing a pretty doggone good G5 opponent, and I even hesitate. I don't even know why I said G5. I guess because we're conditioned to. This is a good football program that they're playing, and that's what matters the most. And this season, hats off to Tom Homo and Kalani and all the staff and the kids on the team for getting 12 games in when the idiots in the Pac-12 are playing four for some of them. And and the end of four, listening to Herm Edwards speak as recently as yesterday in an interview, you would have thought they played 25. <laughs> the way he sounded so drained and get on with it and let's regroup and come back in January. I mean, and they only played four because all the crap they had to go through. And it's such a joke. Their leadership sucks. And uh, BYU is getting on the field for its 12th game, and nobody died. And I don't know, maybe there'll be some ramifications down the line, but it doesn't appear to be anyway right now. And so I'm excited for them to play this game at this time, and I'm looking forward to having my television on at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. I know BYU TV TV likes to give us Eastern Time because I watched the Cougars last night, and then I always do the math in my head. I did. I laughed when I saw that. I was watching the game, and they teased their pregame show, and it was 6 o'clock Eastern. I thought, see, 7 o'clock is such a normal time for a kickoff. There are BYU fans who are casual and into it are going to expect that game at 7 o'clock. Not going to happen. Whoever made that decision for BYU TV to broadcast Eastern Time first, I need to speak to that person. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works for you. All right, so a uh, different angle to tonight's game. Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for UCF, grew up in Hawaii. And there's a big Hawaii-BYU rivalry. And we had on Dylan Cauley, who played for both Hawaii and BYU, who tried to explain to us how Hawaii fans look forward to the BYU game. They circle it. It's a big deal. It feels a little BYU Utahish when you're out there, but they feel like even when they win, they get dismissed by BYU. You know, BYU fans hate it when they beat somebody. It's like, yeah, it was a down year. But Hawaii fans feel like that's what they get when they're playing with BYU. Oh, yeah, you got us. Uh, you got us one time, but really, you know. Uh, and it drives them nuts. So is this going to translate? Is Dylan Gabriel going to be giving some fiery pregame speech and getting these guys all worked up? Come on, guys. 
<laughs> bunch of guys who grew up in Florida are like, really? I don't get how this works. I think there's something there, though. I, I think they get it. I, I think UCF is one of these programs that's constantly striving for respect because they're not afforded it. It's not given to them. They not only have to earn it, they have to earn it more than the average group of five team or, or a P5 team has to earn it. They don't only have to be good. They have to be really good because just being good isn't good enough because there's a built-in bias against G5s. It's like you're viewed second class, G5, right off the bat. So I think that every time they go out and play these group of five teams, and you can basically put BYU in this category, certainly when they're playing P5 teams, you can. We've seen that big time. Uh, when they beat a Power 5 team, the emotion is just greater. It just It is. I've been on the road with them. I've, I've seen it as they run off the field underneath the stadiums. It is way different. They go to Wisconsin and win that game. And I took that picture of Grimes uh, with the uh, tight ends coach jumping into, into uh, Grimes' arm, Clark. You can look at it on Twitter. People have reposted it or retweeted it, whatever you say. And the emotion of that game, if that would have been uh, whatever, Boise for that matter. You don't even – and Boise is a really good program. You don't get that emotion. So these group of five teams are constantly having to prove themselves. And, yes, you're right. When Hawaii beats BYU, it's, well, yeah, that's because BYU's having a down season. Well, if BYU beats Wisconsin, well, yeah, that's because Wisconsin's having a down season. It never ends. Did you ever see that? I I told you to see that movie Crash. If you want to see about race relations, well, I hate this group. But this group is higher than that group, and they hate that group. Well, that group is higher than this other group over there, and they hate that group. And it goes on and on until you end up coming full circle when basically everybody hates everybody. <laughs> and so there's prejudice that abounds comparing it, as I say, comparing it to real life, even though Crash was a movie, but it was based in L.A. And having lived there, I saw and witnessed so much of what that movie was about. And I think that's what we see it in the football sense. Well, we're bigger than you. Okay, fine, but we're bigger than them. <laughs> and it but just goes to, on and on. You should have to go win the game on the field. And I think the point you really yeah, need to underscore sure. here with these G5 schools, you know, the label sticks because there's some truth to it. But it's not absolute truth. There are plenty of scores that point that out. And I think just the logic of, you know, some of the G5 schools, the commuter schools, the state schools – uh, the schools that really are kind of 50 to 70 years old instead of 90 to 120 years old. So they came along and they didn't get the foot in the door and they didn't get in the right league. But when you're UCF or Houston or San Diego State, you know you're sitting in a recruiting hotbed and there's a lot of players and the, the big brand names, the traditional powers can't take them all. And they're going to miss on the late bloomers. They're not going to want to gamble on the kid who was hurt his senior year. And so they don't sustain it all the time. They certainly have their ups and downs. But when they're good, the UCFs, the Houstons, the Fresno States, the San Diego States, they got some built-in advantages, and they can really, they can really be pretty good. So to, to walk in there and think, hey, you're just going to cruise. Right now, UCF seems to, you know, they really had it together three years ago, two years ago. And right now, the offense has it going on, but the defense doesn't. You know, but offensively, if you don't respect them in tonight's game, it's going to be a problem. They're going to score points. 
I don't I don't see how BYU's holding them under 28 points. Unless I, I guess there's still hours for players to opt out. But as of right now, we know their le- their their leading receiver isn't going to play, but we know they're deep at receiver. So I figure they're out there scoring 24, 27, 28 points for sure. Now, are they going to get to 30 or 35 or 38? Because then they got a chance to win the game. And a BYU offense, it's only been held under 40 three times this year should be able to score 40 against this team. And if they do, then I think they probably win the game. But if the offense has a big stretch where it's not productive, it's turnovers, whatever it is, then the Cougs could be in trouble. Uh, Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got no problem with that. This is a great opportunity for Zach Wilson, really, to just put himself into great discussions. And it's probably going to be his last game. I don't have any inside information on this, but – you know, he wants to play in the NFL. Who doesn't, obviously? So with that in mind, he, everyone's going to be watching this. Now, there is some NBA hoop that gets going tonight. So I guess that could uh, sidetrack a little little bit. But I think that as far as bowl games go in this crazy year of bowl games, th- these are two name programs. In my mind, when they're good, they're good. And it doesn't. there's no yeah buts. And I know some folks want to go yeah but on – BYU schedule, and that's fine. And I'm never going to convince you otherwise, so I'm not even going to bother. The fact is I believe this is a quality football team, and UCF has my respect for what they've done the last several years. What did you say, X amount of years? They're 41-7 and 41-7 and seven over the last four years. I mean, this, is, this is their worst team in the last four years, and I think it's specifically because this defense isn't up to par. And they got three one-score losses. Yeah. Right. So it, it, it's a good team. The AAC is a good league. We see that Boise has been in deep discussions, or at least minimal discussions, probably closer to deep discussions to join. And I think there might be something to that. We haven't hit that at all today, but uh, our guy Reigns from up there from uh, Boise has been getting these emails. B.J. Reigns, I think his name is, and he's been getting these emails out there talking about this stuff. So, I mean, I believe that this is a quality football league. And, boy, if they were to add Boise and who knows, maybe BYU and San Diego State, make it a 14-team or a 12-team conference, 14-team be 14. Yeah, they're at 11 now. Depending on how many they add. Yeah, if they just added one, it would be 12 if they added others. Uh, So it's a good football league here. And uh, to me – these are two brand names. I would be interested in watching this game if I had never moved to Utah and was just a college football fan, which I consider myself a college football fan. I'd be interested. But Wilson goes out and has a great game. Are we going to just continue to make excuses for this good? I don't think no. so. I think we've got to acknowledge he's really good. He's really good, and he'll end up in the NFL. And Huntley ended up playing in the NFL. Why isn't Wilson going to end up playing in the NFL? It's uh, there seems to be a little bit, and partly it's the rivalry. So there's always somebody here willing to downgrade somebody on the other guy's team. But I think if you step back from that, it's clear how this is going to work out. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to end up on an NFL team. Uh, the NBA you mentioned, it's the Nets and the Warriors at five o'clock. The first game in the NBA this year, Kevin Durant is going to play against his former team, the Warriors. And then it's the Lakers and the Clippers because, of course, it is at 8 o'clock. And then tomorrow night, everybody else gets going, including the Jazz, who will be in Portland. And we'll get to that uh, tomorrow. The other thing we mentioned is the Steelers. After an 11-0 start, 0-3 now with a loss to the Bengals, it was horrific. 
So they got a couple more weeks to fix this, but they lost 27-17. Three early turnovers sinking them. All right, DJ and PK, uh, we are brought to you in part by Zero Res. A clean home is a festive home, and Zero Res has a deal for you. $33 per room of carpet cleaning. Schedule at least three rooms. Get an extra room clean for free. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show.
As another show comes to an end, comes to an end, it's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? From your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we love the game. Presented by Strong Audi on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. First cut was the deepest To those Chanticleers All Cougars were depressed When it comes to week schedules They're first So once again tonight their bubble will burst Urban don't press play There it is PK K with the song of the day We have to get that sponsored Then they're going to want to cut But that's how America works, am I right? Anything to get this economy humming <laughs> Well, I think that he is not a BYU fan, so we'll have to see what happens. I mean, he may be sad, and others may be glad. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> All right. Uh, question of the day. If the Utes win. If the Utes win. What, what is wrong with me? It's because you're Channel 2, oh, man. Okay. That's it's, right. You're, I it's, in your blood to pump the Utes. It's because Utes for Life tweeted this at me. He says uh, the BYU is 11-1 playing the 101st strength of schedule. That's how he's going to knock the 11-1 season. It's the <laughs> softest schedule ever. Do it, they have a national championship? Yes. What was the schedule ranked that year? Oh, and probably 101st. There you go. The win at Boise State, does that do anything for anybody? The win at Houston, does that do anything for anybody? Hey, they're not the ones who backed out of playing their rival. Could they have handled 5-5 five and five Missouri? Could they have handled the Utes? The Utes are like, well, not if you played us the end of the season. Yeah, but the game was scheduled for the start of the season. Well, they would be 11-1 if they played that other schedule. The only loss would have been to Arizona State. Oh, there it is. Thanks for that. <laughs> I understand that BYU didn't have control over the schedule, but 11-1 season with no Power 5 wins and the best win being against a COVID-depleted team deserves questioning about how great it really was. That's why you put it up so on if, Facebook last night, so it could get the question if, it deserved. Thanks, Dandy Man. If they would have beat Kansas, they would have beat a Power 5 team, and, and that would just solve everything. Mason Wake's hype man says, if anyone is taking issue with BYU season this year, just tell them you'd like your windows washed, gas filled up, and go on about your day. <laughs> That's old school right there, PK. That's Lenny Gomes pump my gas reference. I like it. You know how Indiana's getting a ton of run this year? They are. Go look and see how many teams with a winning record that Indiana beat. Well, wasn't that the argument against Ohio State? How many teams did they beat? But they're in the Big Ten, so they just get a pass. There is no, they're they're not in the Big Ten. They're Ohio State. Oh, well, I was saying Indiana, but anybody in the Big Ten. And you're right, Ohio State gets more of a pass because they got a brand name. But Ohio State's only win over team with a winning record was Indiana. Well, I guess now they have the conference title game too. So now they've got two. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Coming up next, Scotty G and Hands right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone.
All right, big finish. Show's over, folks. That's it. Go home, everybody. None of this ever happened. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Eric Weddle right here on the Zone Sports Network. Did you have a chip on your shoulder because you felt like you were overlooked and nobody wanted you? I think everyone kind of does. 